One of the cool things about being a new parent is going to the pediatrician and learning all these cool things about your precious little baby. And uh, I'll never forget when uh, my wife and I were just kind of picking up on some of these nuances of, of pediatric life. Uh, we were informed every single time we went to the pediatrician where our child ranked when compared to every other child on planet Earth. Because I, I didn't know this until it happened to us. Like, like you know, there, there is a competition between your baby and all the other babies in the world. Did you know this? Because like I would go and I'll never forget like with my son that we just took to college last weekend. Like, like I'll never forget when we went, he was seven pounds, nine ounces when he was born, which is not huge by any means, but you know, it was, it was okay. It's not tiny, tiny by any means. But, but what was unique about him is like, he had like this face and this torso and he had like two little toothpicks for legs. And I'll never forget taking him to the pediatrician after he was born. And like, okay, seven, nine, and then, you know, you lose a little weight and then you start to gain back a little bit. And I remember the, the doctor had this competition chart for my son, okay? And if you've never seen these, I, I brought just a, a picture for you. Okay, do you all recognize these? Okay, some of you have not had your first child yet, so I just want you to know what's coming, okay? This is called a global competition chart to see how your child stacks up with all the other babies in the world. And the, you know, the girls are on the left and the boys are on the right. And, and here's what happens. Every time you go to the pediatrician with your baby, they measure height and weight. And then they come over on their fancy little lines and they put a dot. And then they look at those growth curves and they say something to you like this. Your child is in the 75th percentile or 35th percentile, or if you're lucky, the 95th percentile. And then what happens? You call your parents and you call your family. Guess what? My boy's in the 95th percentile. He's bigger, stronger, wiser, better than 95% of all the other boys in the world. I think that's the only purpose for this chart. And here's the problem with my precious son and his toothpick legs, he was in like the fifth percentile. And I'll never forget at one point the pediatrician saying to us, like, I'm concerned about your son. And I'll never forget saying, well, with all due respect, doctor, like when I was his age, I was in a negative percentile, right? <laughs> right? It was like, your son is negative 15 percentile, right? Like I think he's going to be okay and come to find out he was just fine. He was tall and abnormally skinny like his father, you know, and his mother, right? I mean, it was just like, look at us, look at our boy, like it's okay, it makes sense, right? But they have this chart. And what does that chart do? Well, that chart helps a doctor, really, or a parent, all of us, to ensure that our children are on a healthy growth arc. And it doesn't really matter where they line up in comparison to the rest of the world, but it does matter, of course, that they are on a healthy growth line and they're being nourished. That is the chief concern early on, right? That your baby is gaining weight and is growing up and there are ways that professionals measure that. And, and when I think about our spiritual growth, you know, it's, it's, it's not dissimilar from our physical growth in that here's what's super cool about how even Jesus described our spiritual lives, that when we 
turn from our sin, right, and we, we embrace the salvation of Jesus based on his life and death and resurrection, like when we come to a saving knowledge of Jesus, when we embrace him as Savior and Lord, here's what Jesus said, we are literally born again. In other words, he describes what happens to us as being so radical, it's like a new birth. And, and so there's this new birth that happens to us. Like we're a new person. There's literally like this, this new life happening inside of us. And, and therefore God is working in our lives then to grow us up in a manner commensurate with this new life. And, and here's, here's the thing. If we could track that growth on a chart, my concern is that many people today, even though they've been Christians for many years, would fall well below the 50th percentile. Like, I don't know a way to track it, right? Like we don't have like a spiritual growth chart for girls and boys or men and women. But if we did, what it would show is that there are some severely malnourished. There are some who are well below 50%. And, and that's concerning because in the same way that our physical lives are given to grow and mature, our spiritual lives are given to grow and mature. And if we aren't growing and maturing spiritually, that's a problem and it has negative consequences for our lives. Actually, you know, like for our physical growth and our, our, our physical maturation, right? Not just in terms of our bodies, but like we think of being an adult. So emotionally, relationally, right? There's actually, I came across it this week. There's actually a term for men who have not yet grown up in a manner commensurate with their age. It's called the Peter Pan syndrome. <laughs> men who, who uh, they... They, they, they just don't want to grow up, okay? Actually, if you know someone like that and in the room, would you just point them out today? Um, if you would just know, right? Like men who don't want to grow up. I, I saw uh, in the Urban Dictionary, this is a true, true thing. Uh, it's called manolescence. <laughs> like people who just don't want to grow up, right? It's Peter Pan syndrome. Like they're old enough to be more mature, should be more mature, should be more responsible, right? There's some things that should be true about their relationships or their emotions, but they're not. And so it's this notion of like, we're getting older, but we're not necessarily getting more mature. Well, spiritually speaking, the same dynamic can be in play. And I just want you to know today, that's not God's will for you. He has saved you to grow you, mature you. And it's through your growth and maturation that you really experience the very best of what he has for you. Because if it's spiritual malnourishment, right? That, that malnourishment is keeping you from some things that are good for you, that you need. And, and therefore, if we're not growing up in our new life in Christ, then then we suffer and others around us suffer. And so, and so if you're taking notes, listen, just jot this down. I want you to see that new birth brings new growth. All right, this is, what, this is our focus today as a part of the pathways is growing, growing up in Jesus. And here's what we're gonna see is that new birth brings new growth. Again, this radical description, you're born again, born a second time. You're not the same person. God's doing something in you that's likened to what happens with a child, right? You, you, you are born again and therefore you're going to grow up. 
This is God's will for you. And, and Peter talks about this. We'll be looking at, at Peter's first letter, 1 Peter chapter 1 and 1 Peter chapter 2 today. And I want you to see here, go back to verse 23 of 1 Peter 1. And I just want you to see he describes this new birth, right? He says, you've been born again, watch this, not of perishable seed, but imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. Here's the cool thing about salvation. Salvation comes through the initiative of God, the accomplished work of Jesus, and the, the imperishable word implanted in our hearts. And as we hear the word of God shared by a pastor or a friend or a teacher or a family member, right? As, as, as the gospel, as the good news of salvation is shared with us, the word of God is shared with us, what happens? It takes root in our hearts. God convicts us of our sin. He convicts us of his righteousness. He, he convicts us of, 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 of the reality of Jesus, his life, his death, his bodily resurrection, his ascension, and soon to be his second coming, right? And we commit our lives to Jesus. And at that moment, at that exact moment of our salvation, we are born again. And there is now the Holy Spirit of God within us. And we are new people, right? Like, like this is all new. Like, and therefore there's a work that begins to happen inside of us that reflects the power of God and the word of God. And God's word always does its work. It's effective 100% of the time. So God's word begins to work. And here's how the, the scriptures describe it. It's, it's like our inner man, right? Our inner man is being renewed day by day, even though our outer man is perishing, in other words, on this side of eternity, like we're all still getting older. Our body's still getting older, right? And here's what happens when you get older. You wake up on certain days and you just hurt and you don't know why. <laughs> or like you go play a little basketball with your kids and then you come in and you can't walk for four days and you don't know why, right? Like, okay, things happen. So, so our outer bodies are wasting away, but what does the scripture say? But our inner man is being renewed day after day. You see, there are two realities happening in the life of every Christian. This side of heaven, our outer bodies are still wasting. We're still dealing with this old man, the scripture calls. Like we, we still have this flesh and bone that's deteriorating, but there's new birth and new life in us through the power of the spirit and the power of God's word. And, and that's moving us toward maturity, Christ-likeness, and it's preparing us for who we will be when Jesus returns and by the way, gives us a new body to match our new life. And that new body will never fade away. And that new body will never be susceptible to disease or illness. And one day for all eternity, we will share in the glory of a new heaven and new earth with what? With a renewed inner man and a renewed outer man. And so here's, here's what's happening right now in you. If you're a follower of Jesus today, the Holy Spirit is working through the word of God to do its work to make you more like Jesus. In other words, your new birth is, has given you new life so that you can look more like Jesus. And, and, and so Peter's drawing our attention to this word and this work, right? This word is living. This word is enduring. This word changes us and, and it's, it's working in us to this end. Let me, let me take you then to verse one of chapter two. You'll see the context now. Peter is saying, therefore, right? Therefore, okay, because the word is doing its work, because he's brought you to salvation, because he's given you new life, because this inner man now is, is making more like Jesus, even though your outer man's wasting away, right? Here, here's what's happening. He says, therefore, you and I have a responsibility to grow. 
And so he says, rid yourselves of all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all slander. And like newborn infants desire, this is the imperative. This is the command. Then we need to train our appetite, right? We need to desire the pure milk of the word, that word that saved us, so that you may grow up into your salvation if you have tasted that the Lord is good. Here's what Peter is saying. Okay, so if you've tasted that the Lord is good, then you know how good the Lord is. And therefore you need to train your life to have more of the Lord. <laughs> Let me say it to you this way. If you've had Jeremiah's, you know how good Jeremiah's is and you're gonna be here the night of combined and you're gonna enjoy some Jeremiah's with us because it's good. It's really good. It's one of those ideas I wish I had thought of. And then I could take all of us on vacation to Hawaii. A little shaved ice, a little soft serve, right? But you put it together and magic happens. Look at what Peter is saying. If you've tasted the Lord is good, if you know, right? Can anybody give testimony today that the Lord is good? Right? Can anybody give testimony the Lord is good, right? So, Yes. So here's what he's saying. If you know the Lord is good, then wouldn't you want more of him in your life? <laughs> he's good. And so, and so here's what he's saying. So therefore, then you have to desire like a newborn baby desiring his or her next feeding. You have to desire God's presence through his word in your life. You have to train yourself toward that, discipline yourself toward that, set a menu for your life that involves that. There are some things that you have to bring to the table in order to grow. New birth brings new growth, and that growth now is contingent upon your engagement and involvement. And notice Peter starts with a therefore. Okay, therefore, in light of all that God has done, as you put some things on, he's saying you also need to take some things off. Things like, what does he say there? Malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all slander. He, he, in other words, here's what Peter is saying. If you no longer want to, to be a child in your faith, then stop acting like a child. And with all due respect to children, because I love children, I love my children. I love most of your children, okay? So with all, no, with all due respect to children, okay, what, what is true of a child? who we would regard as immature, right? Well, a couple of things. First of all, children are unstable in their emotions. <laughs> they can go from super happy one minute until they hate your guts the next. And if you're a parent in the room and you're maybe a first time parent with a toddler and your toddler's in the terrible threes, people talk about the twos. Let me tell you something, the twos are a joke compared to the threes, okay? So if you're in that life stage and it's your first and you thought this little bundle of joy was just gonna love you all the time, no. Because what happens when they get to that stage is they're super happy, happy, happy. And then you say, okay, sweetheart, it's time to go to bed. Let me have that toy. <gasps> Right? I can't be the only one that's ever happened to. <laughs> that wasn't planned, by the way. Hang on. Oh, man. The outer, the outer man is wasting away. <laughs> All right. So, oh, hang on. I'm going to have to stretch. Hang on. Here. All right. I'm good. 
What happens to a little kid? They're unstable in their emotions, right? They're great one minute, they're terrible the next. You're in the grocery store, they're great. They want something, you don't let them have it. Now they're awful. Children are unstable and their emotions. Okay, what else? They are gullible in their interactions. Actually, this is one of the things that makes parenting so much fun. <laughs> Kids will believe almost anything you tell them, okay? And uh, <laughs> if you have a little bit of sarcasm that the Holy Spirit, you know, given you as a gift, um, this is the most fun part of being a parent of a young child. They're so gullible, right? I'll, I'll never forget my, my sweet daughter, my youngest daughter, when she was little, she just loved Belle, right? And we had one opportunity to be at Disney when my kids were little. And before, right before we went, you know, we were so excited to go as a family. And, and my daughter was so excited to see the castle and to see Belle. And she just loved Belle. Everything was about Belle. And I came across this app for my phone to where like you could have it ring and like it could be anybody, right? Like you could put anybody on there and it would, you, it would look like they were calling you. And so one night at dinner, we're all sitting there and guess who called? Belle. And I'm like, look at this, sweetheart. Look who's calling me. <gasps> you know Belle. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. I, I mean, I don't mean to brag or anything, but yeah. Well, hi, Belle. And Belle was so excited for my daughter to come and visit. And it was funny. To this day, she still believes Belle called. And um, it was, no, not really. But, oh, man, that's so much fun. And, and what, are, what are kids, right? Kids, they're immature. They're little. They don't know better. What are, they're unstable in their emotions. They're gullible in their interactions and they're, they're possessive with their preferences. Kids are possessive, right? You ever had this happen? Your child's on the, uh, on the floor playing with 400 Legos. Perfectly happy. Brother or sister comes by, picks up one Lego. No! <laughs> that ever happened to anybody? That's mine. Wait a minute. You got 399 other Legos. No, that's the one I want, right? I had someone tell me after the first service, actually, Pastor, there would only be 398 Legos because one would be embedded in your foot, right? Moms and dads, right? That is true. But okay, so it's, 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 it's no, that's mine. And it's like, I had to happen with my kids when they were little. Like they were perfectly happy and content and brother or sister comes to play. And then all of a sudden, no, I want that. And it's like, that's, you're like, no, that's just so selfish. And that's a mark of childishness, right? Kids are unstable in their emotions. They're gullible in their interactions. They're possessive with their preferences. And I mean, can I just say how good it is to know that that only applies to children? Because <laughs> I'm sure you don't know anybody in your life who's an adult who acts that way, right? <laughs> Well, if you do, just go ahead and point them out since we're at, just if you would, just no. And so here's what Peter is saying. Okay, how do we start? God's, God's word is life-giving. It's enduring, right? It's joy-producing. God's word brings us to a place of new birth. This is how radical it is when you come to a saving relationship with Jesus. It's a new birth. There's a new thing happening in you. You're a new person. And that new birth is gonna lead to new growth. And here's what Peter is saying. If you really wanna grow up and experience the best that God has for you, there are some things you need to set aside. You're not a spiritual child anymore. You can't be unstable in your emotions. You can't be gullible in your interactions. 
In fact, Paul says this in Ephesians 4. He says, do not act like a little child tossed by the waves and blown around by every wave of teaching. You better measure what's out there with the word of God. Don't be possessive with what you have. Be generous, gracious, right? And, and here's how that takes shape. Here's what Peter says. Okay, malice, the desire to harm someone, like verbally, physically, whatever, like relationally, like malice. Peter says, man, people who are mature in their faith, they don't, they don't conduct their lives with malice. Deceit. You know what's interesting about the word deceit? In the original language, it's the word for bait. I mean, isn't fishing just an entire enterprise of deceit? <laughs> okay, that's malice, deceit. It's bait. Like you're, maybe, maybe you look at your life and you have a pattern of, of deception, of, of falsehood, right? Hypocrisy. That's, that's the, original, the original word is used for an actor, Someone who's playing a part. There's no genuineness there. Envy, that's the game of comparison. Being angry or insecure over someone else's success. And then slander, literally the, the word means to speak down of someone else, like slandering their character. Like that, that's not just disagreeing with someone, but that's tearing them down, right? And so, and so here, here's what Peter is saying. All of these things lead to a certain type of bitterness and an immaturity whereby it will kill your appetite for God's sweetness. Remember what Peter said, if you've tasted the Lord's goodness, then your desire ought to be for more of it. And what does malice and envy and deception and hypocrisy and slander do? Well, it encapsulates a bitterness that keeps you from his sweetness. And so listen to me very, very carefully. Either that bitterness will kill your appetite for his sweetness or his sweetness will kill your appetite for your own bitterness. Because the Lord is good. And when you taste that the Lord is good, right? You experience that the Lord is good. Here's what Peter is saying. You have to lean into that goodness and discipline your life to where you have more of it. What that means is you need a meal plan. You need a meal plan. And you need less spiritual junk food and you need more spiritual substance. Are you with me? And so he says this, verse two, let me take you back to verse two one more time. This is huge. Therefore, desire, desire the pure milk of the word so you grow up in salvation. You and I need a menu change. We need to take God's word into our lives as much as we can because God's word always does God's work. It never returns void. It's living, it's enduring, it's joy producing. You know, what, you know what one of the cool things is about God's word? Peter says it's living. Every single time you come to God's word, he has something to say to you. You know what I love hearing like believers when they're talking about God's word say is like, man, you know what? I've read this passage 15 times, but today I read it for a 16th time. And man, you know what? I never noticed this before. Or God had a word for me here. You know why that happens? Because his word is living. You know what I love hearing sometimes after, after a worship service, a corporate worship service, people come up and say, man, pastor, I don't know like, if you were in my personal business this week, but you were talking right to me. Like I don't have private investigators, right? Like I don't get emails like, um, hey, pastor, uh, here's where my husband is. If you could hit these things this week, <laughs> right? Like I don't, I, I don't get those emails, okay? 
You say, man, how is it there are times, and this has happened to me as I hear God's word being preached. I love hearing God's word preached. And there's so many times I'm listening to God's word being preached. I'm like, man, that person's speaking directly to me. That's not that person. It's the word of God. It's living. It's not stagnant. It's not just some word that's descriptive. It's active. It's living and it's doing work. And so here's the menu change that you and I need to make and just make sure that we're aligning ourselves with a steady diet of this. And here's where some of you are. You're trying to feast once a week. And I have a responsibility to feed and so does your life group leader. (laughs) But if you're trying to feed once a week, you're gonna be below the 50th percentile because you can't eat once a week and expect to grow. Do you realize, this is, this, is, this is true, that we forget 95% of what we hear within 72 hours? Do you understand how discouraging that is for a person like me? <laughs> I stand before you today knowing that you will forget 95 to 100% of everything I say within the next 72 hours. Can I be honest with you? I'm pretty sure I forget 95% of what I say within 72 hours. (laughs) If you're not old enough to appreciate that, just hang on, you will. Listen, this is not about a menu plan whereby you just do this once a week and you're good. This has a greater purpose This is critically important. That's why worship is the first part of the pathway. But listen to me, it's not the only part. There's a connection and a service and a growth aspect to this whereby we understand this, what Peter is saying. We have to desire what is good and we have to desire it regularly. So let me give you, let me just give you a a key takeaway today. This is my challenge to you. If you don't have a regular diet of God's word, would you just commit to that right now? I have a goal of reading the Bible daily, not for sermon prep or teaching or preaching, but just for my own growth and nourishment with a practice of regularly. You know, there may be days you, okay, my goal is daily, but your practice should be regularly. Maybe you're traveling, maybe you had something come up, maybe there's an emergency in your family or something happened. Listen, this is not a legalistic enterprise. This is about growth. And in the same way that God's made you to need to eat to grow, he's made you spiritually to need to feast, to grow. And I just wanna encourage you, if that's not a regular practice, we have all kinds of reading plans we can give you. There's a million reading plans online. Personally, I like to read through the Bible chronologically. That's what I do. And, and so there's just, there's options out there. You can do a proverb a day. You can do a Psalm and a proverb, a little Old Testament, a little New Testament. Listen, if you just say, I'm going Genesis to Revelation nonstop, the Lord bless you. We have a special Superman t-shirt for you, okay? But listen to me, I don't care how you eat, just eat. You can chew with your mouth open. You can have five meals a day, okay? If we believe that the Lord is good, that we've tasted that the Lord is good, here's what Peter is saying, then we should desire that which is good. And the reason that many Christians are not mature in their faith and they're below the 50th percentile is simply related to the fact that they're not engaged in the word enough.
And so Peter is saying new birth leads to new growth and that growth is tied to the word of God. And as we get into the word of God, here's what happens. Some things begin to, to fall away, right? And there's some other things that begin to take shape and those things are good for us that we need, things that speak into who we will be one day in the future. And it starts with this aspect of desiring. In other words, we have to discipline ourselves to eat the right menu. And, and this is what the scripture teaches elsewhere. Even Jesus, I love this, Matthew 5, right? In the Beatitudes, remember what Jesus said? He said, blessed are those who what? Hunger and thirst for righteousness, desire. Paul said to Timothy, 1 Timothy 4, he said this, don't have anything to do with pointless and silly myths. Rather, watch this, train yourself in godliness. For the training of the body has limited benefit, which is why I don't work out. Okay, so the training, no, I'm kidding. Okay, there's benefit, but limited. He's saying, why? Because the outer man's wasting away. But godliness is beneficial in every way since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. What do you have to do? You have to train yourself, right? Uh, Hebrews 5 says this. This is the author of Hebrews, right? He's talking about just the profound mystery of God's work in our lives. He says, I have a great deal to say about this but it's difficult to explain to you since you become too lazy to understand. I love that. <laughs> Y'all too lazy to figure this out, right? And so he goes on to say this, not, not everyone, all right, verse 13, not everyone who lives on milk is inexperienced with the message about righteousness because he is an infant, right? So Peter's talking about desiring, desiring uh, the word, desiring Jesus, like, like a baby desires milk or its next feeding. The author of Hebrews is saying, but if you only live on milk for the duration of your life, you're, you're immature, right? At some point you graduate from baby cereal to Captain Crunch with Crunch Berries. Can I have an amen? Okay, all right. At some point you graduate to solid food. So the author of Hebrews, okay, if you look at it parallel with what Peter is saying, is like, you're la too lazy to understand. You're not growing in your faith. There's things that I need to teach you that I can't because you're not yet at a growth arc where you'll fully understand it. And, he, and he's saying, you're like a baby who just lives on milk and you're like an adult trying to live on milk. You're inexperienced, right? And so look at verse 14 here, but the solid food, solid food's for the mature. And for those whose senses have been what? trained to distinguish between good and evil. So let me break it. Here's the, here's the bottom line, guys. Salvation is 100% of the Lord. I'm gonna be crystal clear about that. You and I who are followers of Jesus today are followers of Jesus 100% because of his grace and his goodness. There won't be a single one of us ever bow the knee and say, Jesus, yeah, me. <laughs> no, 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 it's... Salvation is 100% a work of grace, right? Okay, now, but hear me on this. Our sanctification, which is our growth in grace, okay? Our new life leads to new growth. And that new growth, sanctification, right? That 100% involves you and me. And here's what I think happens sometimes. We take our, our doctrine of salvation and we, we know by grace have you been saved through faith. It is a gift of God, not of yourselves, lest any man should boast. And we bleed that over into our sanctification. We think, well, you know, the Holy Spirit's just gonna bring me along. Well, yes, he is, but he's going to do it with your cooperation because he now lives inside of you. And that's why the scriptures say, train yourself. That's why Peter says, desire. And so let me, let me just say this. 
Some of you have been Christ followers way too long to be acting the way you do. And I have a list of names here I'd like to um, put on. <laughs> no, 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 no. Now, seriously, can I, can I just be brutally honest with you? There are sometimes I say that to myself. And what are you thinking? Like, <laughs> you've been following Jesus way too long. <laughs> like, what are you thinking? And here's the thing. We're all going to mess up and we're definitely all going to struggle at times. But if you look at your life holistically, okay, holistically, and you don't see growth that needs to be there, growth that's commensurate with your new life, and it's true that you've been following Jesus way too long to be where you are, then can I just encourage you today to get on a trajectory of growth, desire his word, be a part of his work, and join the pathway with us. You'll never have greater joy in your life than to grow up in who Jesus saved you to be. His word and his work is life-giving, joy-giving, right? It's eternal in scope. And, and, so, and so here's the thing. This new birth that brings new growth is something that you and I cooperate in. And I just wanna encourage you to do that. The pathway's all about that, okay? Listen, the pathway's not just a series, it's an initiative. In everything we do here at Bell Shoals, we want you connected to this pathway, to worship, to connect, to serve, and to grow. This is God's will for you. And we've talked about worship. We've talked about connecting in life groups. We've talked about serving in our community and on mission. And today, listen, I'm excited to announce a new kind of strategic arm of this effort for us to grow into who Jesus has saved us to be. It's called D groups, discipleship groups. And we're rolling out officially today, some discipleship groups where you can get in a group with four to six other men or other women. And you can spend a year just doing life together, connecting once a week, you know, being in the word, encouraging each other, praying for each other. It's just the deepest level of discipleship you can have. But it's so very important because listen, discipleship, it's all about proximity. It's all about being around people who can pull you up and, and help you be more like Jesus. And listen to what Peter is saying. You need to desire his word. You need to desire his work. Listen to what Paul is saying. You need to train yourself to godliness. And, and, and here's, the, here's the goal, that what we do, that it look very different from the world. We don't handle our emotions like the world handles their emotions, right? We don't deal with the latest trends and fads with the gullibility that the world deals with them, right? We're not so possessive that we're selfish and prideful, that we're a people who are generous in giving and, and interested in the welfare of others. What I'm saying is when God brings you to new life, it, it prompts new growth and that new growth brings a new community whereby what we do stands out from being very different from the rest of the world. Not just in what we believe, but how we interact with each other, how we utilize what we have, how we invest our goods, our resources, our time, talent, treasure. And um, the pathway is all about helping you experience the very best in that regard. And so I, want, I just want you to see a brief testimony from my friend, Michael Looper, who's one of our D group leaders. We've actually kind of piloted this and gotten some good feedback on what this will be like. And Michael's a guy who, as you'll hear, was a little hesitant at first, but came to realize and just the benefit and the blessing of doing life together in community. Take a look with me. My name is Mike Looper. I'm a D group leader here at Bell Shoals. D group is a group of people that come together to hold each other accountable and to lift each other up and to help each other grow in their efforts towards building the kingdom, uh, mainly in a way that encourages people to go out and share the gospel. When Matt Curry, our discipleship pastor, originally invited me to a D group 
my immediate reaction was, no, I'm good. I think I probably don't share the gospel enough, but my understanding of a D group is helping someone through the Bible and telling them they're not sharing the gospel enough, right? And I thought, well, I might not be doing that, but I don't need someone pushing me to that. And I don't really want to be open with a group of guys and sit down one-on-one -on -one and have to walk through the Bible. That's almost exactly what it is, <laughs> but it's so much better than that. I finally convinced myself after Matt asked me probably six times, are you going to do this thing? And I sort of gave in. But again, within a few weeks of the group, of the D group meeting, it wasn't that I maybe needed accountability. It was more like, I can't wait to go share with these guys what I got out of my Bible reading, what I got out of my time with God, who I was able to have a gospel conversation with. You know, what can we do? How can we come together? How can we help each other grow? And I think more than just being pushed or encouraged to go out and share the gospel, um, we're excited to rely on each other. And it's cool to have that bond, and that bond happens quickly. The Bible says that we're supposed to go out and make disciples. That's what a disciple is. It's someone who makes more disciples. And for me, it took being part of a discipleship group to realize that that's what the definition meant, and that's where the true blessing comes from, of obeying God. It went from a burden to a blessing. It's something I can't imagine having not gone through. I'm glad I did, and I'm glad we're continuing it on, and I hope I keep doing them. And I think if anyone's sitting there wondering why they should join a D group, or if it's really for them, probably one of the most important things they can ask is, do they feel like God's done with them? There's just, there's just no way. There's much more to us than where we're at now in life. There's more to our home life. There's more to our future home in heaven. There's more love he has to show us. There's more care he has to give us. I think in our Christian walk, if we're not growing, we're just missing out on more and more blessings. Ultimately, it's important to grow deeper because God's not done with us yet. Well, I'm grateful for Michael's testimony and uh, grateful for this man right here. This is Matt Curry, who's our discipleship pastor. And if you're new to Bell Shoals, yeah, give it up for Matt. I'll pay you later. Thank yeah, you. those were Matt's kids. Um, we're, uh, we're so glad you're here, Matt. And uh, you've been on the team now almost two years. Yeah. And just tell us briefly about your, your beautiful family. Yeah, uh, my wife, Tracy, and we have four wonderful, amazing that they don't ever act the way you just did. No, 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 no. Never have, so. No. Uh, but yeah, man, it's, uh, it's awesome. We love being here. Well, and you have a wonderful accent. Is that yeah. New Jersey or? It's actually, uh, it's UCLA is where I'm from. Yeah, the <laughs> okay. upper corner of lower Alabama. So. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I think that's the panhandle for, uh, for those of us who aren't overly familiar with Florida. Oh. And uh, I must say, y'all need to know this about Matt. Uh, you're a huge Florida State fan. I am. Go Knowles. <laughs> Literally one person. <laughs> that was the one person at the game yesterday. Yeah, yeah one person. There were four in the first service. So, um, all right, so we won't hold that against you. All right, thanks. But uh, we are glad you're here. And, man, the pathway really been something we've been looking forward to for two years, I yeah. mean, since you've been here. And so um, just, just recap that briefly. Maybe somebody's here for the first time today, why yeah. it's so important to be a part of a pathway of growth. Yeah, the, the whole purpose uh, and goal behind the pathway is really just to help people in their spiritual journey. It's that simple. And we understand that from coming to salvation and desiring to go and be a world changer, something has to happen in between. And yep. we want to give someone a clear uh, map to yep. walk that journey, and we want to help them through that journey. And so worshiping together and personally 
um, connecting in community through what we call D group or, or life groups. Yep. Uh, serving through ministry and missions, and then growing deeper, intentionally making more disciples. And so we want that to be the vehicle between coming to know Christ and going and being a world changer. Yeah, that's exactly right. And talk to us about the difference between a life group and a D group, because we're rolling out D groups today as a part of this strategy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know from being around here, like some of our life groups are larger than the first church I pastored. Yeah, <laughs> you know, right. so life groups serve a purpose to get us plugged in, but that's I know right. D groups is very different. Yeah, so uh, life groups and D groups are vitally important. Um, they love one another, if you will. But life groups are really about, uh, they're, they're the front door. We want anybody that comes to Bell Shoals and is part of what we're doing to go and be involved in a life group where they can get to know other people, do things outside the walls of the church, learn about God's word. And so, and that's amazing and that's great. D groups are closed in nature. They're very um, specific in what we're trying to accomplish in regards to, hey, I intentionally want to be discipled so I can go and disciple others. Yeah. And, uh, and so we want to make sure that Jesus's last words is our first work, right? And yep. so we want to make disciples, that's what we're all about, but we wanna create an environment where it's not just about being obedient, it's also because we know we need it. We yep. need that time where it's safe. We can talk about life, we can hold each other accountable, uh, we can maybe memorize some scripture for those that are, that are willing to try and that type of thing yep. to where we can really walk it out together. That's right. And- you know, when I think about my Christian journey, right, like think about growth, and I'm sure it's true for all of us, typically there's a person or a few people who are a part of that, mm-hmm. right? Like I think of people who've invested in my life or served as tremendous examples who have encouraged or, or um, kind of guided through different seasons of life. And so the point is, you can't really be a disciple without other disciples around that's you right. to show you the way to encourage you, to keep you accountable. And that's really what D groups are all about, yep. right? And so how can, how can we get involved in D groups and you know, someone's interested today, yeah. what does that look like? Yeah, so our goal with the pathway is not to overwhelm anyone, it's to meet them where you are and love you to your next step. So you're, if you're kind of figuring out, well, what's, what's this look like for me? What's next for me in my spiritual journey? You can stop by the next steps area out in the lobby. Um, you can email me, you can go online, and there's different ways that you can um, fill out interest forms for different areas of the pathway. And we want to just help you figure out what that next step is for you. Yep. Uh, we also have a meeting coming up September the 18th. It's the same night of Combined Campus Celebration at 4 o'clock. Um, you can meet us over at the Adult Ministry Building Room 1. It's a D-group interest meeting. You learn all about D-groups and how they work. No strings attached. You don't have yep. to feel any pressure. And then come on over and have some fun. Uh, at five o'clock. That's right. So we'd love to get you connected today, whatever that looks like. Um, We would love to help in the future in terms of D group engagement. And so as Matt said, we'll have this meeting on September 18th at four o'clock. But between now and then we have lots of on-ramps as well. And um, at the end of the day, we just wanna move forward in growth in a way that honors Jesus and where we experience his very, very best.